July 14th, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. You may be saying, what terrible people you have been talking about. But you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you do these very same things. And we know that God, in His justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them and not judge you when you do them too? Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see how kind He has been in giving you time to turn from your sin? But no, you won't listen. So you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself because of your stubbornness in refusing to turn from your sin. For there is going to come a day of judgment when God, the just judge of all the world, will judge all people according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who persist in doing what is good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But He will pour out His anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and practice evil deeds. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on sinning, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. God will punish the Gentiles when they sin, even though they never had God's written law. And He will punish the Jews when they sin, for they do have the law. For it is not merely knowing the law that brings God's approval. Those who obey the law will be declared right in God's sight, even when Gentiles, who do not have God's written law, instinctively follow what the law says. They show that in their hearts they know right from wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written within them, for their own consciences either accuse them or tell them they are doing what is right. The day will surely come when God, by Jesus Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. This is my message. If you are a Jew, you are relying on God's law for your special relationship with Him. You boast that all is well between yourself and God. Yes, you know what He wants. You know right from wrong because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a beacon light for people who are lost in darkness without God. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that in God's law you have complete knowledge and truth. Well, then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you do it? You condemn idolatry, but do you steal from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, The world blasphemes the name of God because of you. In a high-performance team, accountability matters as much as anything else people do on the job because it means that every single member of the team has made a personal commitment to meet or exceed the goals of the organization. It's not a bullet point on our job description or our resume. It's a mentality embodied by every member of a high-performance team. And in this type of cultural environment, 
people never stop asking themselves, what else can I be doing to help the team accomplish its mission? To be successful creating and protecting the right organizational culture is not an option. It's an absolute necessity. I think you guys are doing a pretty good job of that. You know, a team culture is either decisively created and nurtured over time, or more typically it comes about a bit haphazardly over time through the beliefs, actions, experiences of those on the team. But either way, accountability has to be real. If I drop the ball, make a mistake, fail to meet my goals, or fail to support a team member, it's not about saying, oh, my bad. That's on me. I'll do better next time. And then I never change my behavior. It's about checking myself every step of the way to ensure I'm doing everything in my power to help the team accomplish its mission. Every case study I've ever seen on this subject points to the same thing. A culture of accountability has a direct correlation to the bottom line. Nothing else matters without it. Poring over financial data does not. Improving systems and processes does not. Technology, even sales. Because if people don't care enough, or they're not holding themselves and others accountable to accomplish the mission, then execution is going to falter anyway. And creating a great organizational culture first has to start with alignment. And that's achieved through participation. A culture of accountability has to start with alignment from the people at the very top and the leaders throughout the entire organization. Defining the decision makers. When it comes to creating a great culture, a leader-led model is best. And I'm talking about leaders at all levels. Listening to feedback. While it might be the leaders owning the actual framework of creating that culture, it's imperative we get feedback from the team to ensure we make the best possible decisions. The team's voice must be heard. Extreme ownership. The leaders set the tone, but we all have to take ownership over the decisions made and directives given. Consistency. It takes a consistent and deliberate effort to create and maintain a great organizational culture. And follow through. This, of course, is the most important of all, because without it, nobody's really going to believe in the mission. And the more time we spend holding ourselves accountable to meeting our goals, exceeding our goals, doing our jobs, and even more importantly, supporting our fellow team members, the less time we spend chasing each other around, pointing fingers, and holding one another accountable. And that increases speed, efficiency, and morale.